Welcome to the Talking Story Podcast, where we believe all of us can have a more purposeful and meaningful, and yes, an even more exciting life. Listen to inspiring stories about ordinary people who have done extraordinary things with their lives, through their hobbies, their passions, and their businesses. Join your hosts, father and daughter team, Bob and Kelsey, as they travel the world seeking out those whose stories inspire us to do things greater than what we imagined we could. Hey guys, welcome to the Talking Story Podcast. My name is Kelsey Walaszewski. I am the host of this Talking Story Podcast. My co-host, who's my dad, Bob Walaszewski, cannot be with us today. But we needed to get this podcast out to you. So I thought, okay, I'm going to solo it here. So here I am showing up, excited to be here with you today. And just thanks. We really appreciate and we don't take lightly the fact that you tune in every week and that you're sharing this podcast with friends. Our hope is that by listening to this podcast, you're being inspired through story to make a difference on this planet using your time, your resources, your money. Um, Everyone that comes to the Talking Story podcast all brings a different experience, but I just feel like we can glean so much from each story and kind of piece together our own story to help us pursue purpose because there's a reason that you and I walk this planet. It's not an accident. I promise it's not an accident that you are here on this earth and we just want to help you really discover why that reason is. I know I've been on my own journey and that's actually kind of where this whole podcast has started from is just a personal journey of what is my purpose? What I feel like the stirring in my heart, but what do I do about it? Where do I take it? And so through the conversations that I've had with these incredible people in the last three seasons, I'm just so honored to share those with you, but I too have just been so inspired to press into purpose, to press into hard things, to step out of my comfort zone, to really trust in God, to to pursue forgiveness. I mean, we've had so many conversations with so many people. So my hope is that you take a listen to previous episodes. They're evergreen. We stress that and I think um, last week that we just said, hey, these podcasts are meant to outlive us, that these stories can go on and we are always going to be able to glean something because really it's God working in the lives of other people and that's evergreen. Uh, God's the same yesterday, today, and and forever. And so if he's the same yesterday as he is today and forever, we're going to be able to always just look at what God has done in other people's lives and know, wow, that's the same God. If you believe in Jesus, like I do, that's the same God in which we serve. And so he may do something different in my life, but he's capable of doing this. And it may look like that in my life. It may not, but whatever it is, we just hope that these are incredible tools for you. What's really exciting today is I'm excited to introduce this gal, Amy, from Simply Wholehearted. And she is going to bring to us a new tool. That's something that we've talked about on the podcast, but we've never really explored it. And that is, drum roll please, the Enneagram. So I don't know about you guys, but I have loved the Enneagram. In fact, I'll share a story of... 
I got really like into the Enneagram. I took the test. There's like a simple free test online. It's a personality test. I'll just kind of, we'll talk more about it in the interview, but it's a, it's a personality test. And I've done personality tests galore, but this one, I don't know. There was something about it. One, it was an easy test. And then two, when the results came back, I was like, whoa, this test is reading my mail. Like this is who I am. And we'll talk about it in the podcast. I've taken this test quite a few times, actually, and I kind of interchange between, you know, anyways, there's nine numbers and I interchange between two numbers that are really closely related. But no, what, what I really have gleaned from this test is I've come to know a little bit more about myself and why I do what I do. And what Amy brings to the table is a biblical perspective about the Enneagram to say, hey, that this is actually a tool that we can use to really pursue God's unique design for each of us. It can really help us launch into our why. Why are we here on this planet? What are we meant to do? Just by really pursuing the idea of personality and that God has made us uniquely. And so my hope is, whether you love the Enneagram or whether you hate the Enneagram, is that you come to the table with an open mind. I just think she brings a lot of wisdom and insight about this cool tool. Real fast, what I was going to tell you guys, it was about my dad. So I found this tool. I loved it. I was like, oh my gosh, I was starting to share it with so many people. You have to take this test. Tell me what your number is. And what's really cool is that the Enneagram if you really do some research, you can take numbers and see how they interact with each other. Like, for example, on the boat business, we hired a lot of sevens and a lot of eights, and I'm a two or a three. And so you can go online and see like how a two and three interacts with a seven, and you can see the strengths, but then you can also see the weaknesses. And I was like, whoa, this is such a fabulous tool, especially when you're working with people as you're like maybe getting frustrated or you're irritated like, okay, wait a minute, this could be a personality clash. And what should I be aware of as I interact with a different personality that's you know, different from me? So anyways, I was all about this Enneagram, still am. We were doing it with retreats and I just, any opportunity we were looking into the Enneagram. Um, but I had my dad take it. So I was driving, I don't think they had moved here yet. So I think we were driving in the car in Colorado because that's where they're from. That's where I'm originally from. And, you know, he's driving and I'm like talking about this personality test. I think my mom even was in the car with us. Anyways, as the story goes on, I'm remembering more details. But I was like, oh, dad, you have to take this Enneagram test. I'd be really curious what you are. And he's like, okay, sure. So I start reading him the questions because he's driving, so he can't take the test himself. And I don't actually recommend this. I I learned the hard way that really, if you're going to take the Enneagram test or have someone take the Enneagram test, let them take it on their own. Like you don't need to be present, but I didn't know that. So I had him take it in front of me. So I'm reading him the questions and he's answering uh, the questions and what's so crazy and was funny to me was, you know, I'd read him a question and give him the two options to respond. And he'd always be like, well, I know the right answer is this, or I know I should say this, but really, I think I'm this. And I just was cracking up because I'm like, there is no right answer. Like, there's no right answer. God made you unique. If you have a tendency to say, yep, I lean towards this as I ask this question based on a personality, 
uh, then you just got to own it. That's who you are. There's no right or wrong answer. So anyways, I love it. Um, I really hope that you enjoy this conversation with Amy. Amy, welcome to the Talking Story podcast. It is so great to have you on our show. I am delighted. Thank you for having me. I, you know, sometimes I wish we could press record before, like, we actually do. Because I know, me too. <laughs> and you're a podcaster, so you know the same thing. Like, there's so much conversation that takes place prior to the actual interview that I'm like, oh my gosh, this is just nuggets of wisdom. Or, <laughs> you know, but here we are, we're finally talking through this amazing tool of Zencaster. And I'm just, yeah, so excited to jump right into this conversation because what really drew me to you and what you do is this idea of helping people feel unstuck. Mm. Or like you said on your website, that you kind of have this question, you beg this question, do you struggle with frustration, anxiety, and self-doubt? And I'm like, um, yes, yeah. let me be the first person to raise my hand, like who doesn't? So if someone's out there listening and is like, I don't struggle with frustration, anxiety, or self-doubt, then we want to know your secrets. But yes, obviously please. this is a human, um, just uh, emotions. These are human emotions that we deal with. And so would you, I, I want to know about Amy, but I, I'm sure that your story ties into this idea of navigating the Enneagram and really studying who we are as individuals. So help us understand how you came about doing a business that helps people get unstuck. Yeah, well, Kelsey, for me, the Enneagram journey started, well, if you honestly, like back in my early 20s and actually maybe even late teens when personality tests came into my world. And what first started I think my parents went to some sort of conference that they heard about the Gary Smalley, uh, Trent animal test, uh, personality test. Do you remember that in the 90s? Well, yeah. So anyway, it just was one of those things. And my parents would talk about us poor kids like we were animals. And (laughs) I knew we sometimes acted like animals. Exactly. Otter and beaver. Yes, you got it. So me back to some childhood. (laughs) Yes, totally. Yeah. So that was my first introduction to personality tests. And from there, it evolved being um, a church intern and church staff going through pre-marriage counseling, all different jobs and, you know, strikes finders, Myers-Briggs, disc tests, so many different personality tests. And you know, while some people rolled their eyes, I was secretly or not so secretly geeking out going, this is so cool. Something is telling me what I do. And sometimes it would illuminate maybe why I made or I behaved a certain way with certain people or the things that I needed to be better at because I was weak at. But when I was introduced to the Enneagram, the thing that felt most noteworthy to me is that there was finally a personality, a typology system that explained why I did the things I did and what was my motivation behind my actions? What was the emotional drive to doing what I did and how I interacted with loved ones and not so loved ones. And it was just this this fascinating encounter of what was really beneath the surface for Amy. What was 
what was really going on inside there. And as I got to study it and and just understood um, more about it, I began to see the benefit of it in my relationships uh, with my family of origin, kind of understanding my story. I know you guys love story. I mean, that's what we're all about. And the Enneagram helps give language to the experiences that we had, not only in childhood, but in our adolescence. And as we move through life, it, it gives that inner narrative, dialogue, motivation, and also kind of that, that theme um, that has run through our life and has motivated and what motivated us in a lot of what we do. So I I just when I stumbled upon that and I began to use it to to help um other women in my life, whether it was mentorship, discipleship, or encouraging moms um, for, you know, in intentional moments with the kids, I found it incredibly powerful to offer this tool to not only bring awareness to them, but also for me as a a fellow believer to, to be able to put their lens on, to better understand why they did what they did and not just give advice that would work for me, but wisdom and insight that would actually help them. Yeah. No, I get that. I um it's interesting. I'm just gonna we're gonna kind of dissect me, Amy, for a second with the Enneagram. Let's do it. <laughs> I, I think our listeners may know I've referred to the Enneagram a few different times in conversation on this podcast. Fabulous. Because it has been so enlightening for me. And I it's crazy as I took the test and I came up, I'm an Enneagram three. Okay. Yeah. Uh, with a wing two. And let me ask real fast, because sometimes I've taken it where I'm like a two and sometimes I'm a three. Is that normal or am I just crazy as I take it? <laughs> strong two or strong three. So I'm going to throw this one at you. Can you change or can you be more like fluctuating on the dominant you know, number? Yeah, you're not crazy at all. And this is absolutely typical. I think what's cool is that you at least are just vacillating between two numbers and they're side by side. So I'll back up and and I'll answer a couple of these questions in here that are really great that you asked. My philosophy of teaching and the way I approach the Enneagram is that we are given um, by our creator a personality unique to us. And no one has one personality exactly like us. There's so many nuances and variances and and ways it's carried out. Um, we absolutely have a unique um, unique makeup in our in our personality and how we're motivated. So from that standpoint, if I take that approach, then I would say, no, your your enneagram dominant enneagram type is is what you're going to lead with in life. That's the lens that you're going to look through. That's your perspective, but. You talked about wings, and if people aren't familiar with that, then like you said, Kelsey, if you lead as a three and that's your dominant type, then you would have a wing four and a wing two because the wings are the numbers on either side of it like as you would an insect, right? You have the body and then you have the wings on the side. So you can't be an Enneagram three and a wing seven. That oh, doesn't work. Okay. okay, so so that might be helpful. The other thing is is um, some people because of their uh, again family of origin, uh, life experience, college experience, especially, and then the role that they need to fill in life now, their wing might be super strong. And again, when we say wing just in singular form, we're saying there's you often have a more dominant wing. And I'm an advocate and part of what the change that happens in my coaching is that we talk about uh, 
basically like freeing both wings so you stop flying in circles and you use both elements um, to strengthen your personality and to balance it out. So for you, you know, the, the big question is you're trying to determine, am I an Enneagram 2 or am I an Enneagram 3? which is my wing and which is my dominant, dominant is to, to start dissecting those messages or the, the driving motivators for you. So the differences between the two, and I, I'll kind of put you on the spot. You may not know the answer because this can take a while sometimes, but do you desire to be loved and wanted or do you desire more to feel valuable and worthwhile? Ooh, those are good questions. I would say probably the loved and wanted. Okay. So that is the driving motivator for the two. Okay. They often feel in order to be loved and wanted, they have to help people. Mm. For the three, they feel they will feel valuable and worthwhile if they are successful and they're and they're doing more in general and achieving more. And so those are very similar in some sense of it, especially in our our Christian world of ministry and doing what you you all are doing, um, those might be kind of hard to sift out. And then the next, because and then the next question we would talk about in filtering that: what does stress look like? You know, what um, what does it look like when you're when you're stressed? Um, do you tend to withdraw and go at a slower p- pace? Um, maybe tend to um, Uh, like retreat and almost give up? Or do you, when you're stressed out, do you kind of get aggressive and you push harder and you come across in a fiercer manner? I'd probably say the latter, that I probably get a little fiercer and push harder. Okay. Uh, That's not always a good thing, but yeah. (laughs) We're going to get real and raw on this podcast. Well, yes. (laughs) (laughs) No, I love it. I love it. I would rather use me. So I want the listener to kind of understand. So if it's using my life and my personality to understand what an Enneagram can help them do to really help them break through the cycle stuck, I'm all for it. So yeah, no, I love it. Um, Okay. So real, this is amazing. And I think we're going to go kind of keep rolling with this. And again, you can use me, ask me questions, but but I want to know like why, so when I took the Enneagram and I've had other people take it and they've had these aha moments of like, oh my gosh, I, you know, they read their number, which, you know, I don't want to take the time right now on the podcast, but we'll have it in our show notes, the list and also a reference to your website, Perfect. which I know you have all of this on. Um, they read their number and they go, oh, okay, this is, I took the test. I get my number. I'm now reading the description that falls under my number. And this describes me to a T. I mean, that's kind of what everyone tells me is like, <laughs> they're reading, you know, my, my mail, they, this is, this is who I am. This is my strength. This is my weakness. And they just are finally like, I'm actually kind of known, like, I didn't know there was a, this was a thing. Then they're just holding this like, but what do I do with it yes. now? Yes. So can you help us understand that how you and you coach, how does that, how do you take it to the next level for someone to go, this is who I am, but what do I do with it? Well, first of all, I'll say if someone after taking the test immediately has that response of going, oh my gosh, this is so me. You are probably in the 50 percentile because about half and half walk away from the test feeling so confused and going, this is stupid. This is not me at all. Okay, <laughs> and interesting. Yeah. So not everyone has that experience. I think 
what the experience that I am looking for in people is if they read it and it steps on their toes and they Mm. go, dang it, I'm not sure I really want to be that type. Are you sure? Like, maybe I should keep testing. (laughs) So I, while I definitely use tests and people like Beth McCord, your Enneagram coach, she has a fabulous one that's free. Um, She was the one who I got certified under and trained me and stuff years ago. But um, but sometimes it, it, the either or questioning is challenging. And so that's why part of my process is we look back our, at our, our youth. And for some of us, that was a little longer than others. Things like how did you make your decision for post high school for your college and career and, and elements like that. But but the reason why we do some of that again is is talking about motivations. And in fact, I just I'm just now finishing and maybe by the time this our episode our conversation is live i'm releasing a small book called should christians use the enneagram what is Ooh. yeah what it is what it's not and how it can change your life because i wanted to just clarify a lot of rumors misnomers out there and offer my perspective my my faith focused jesus first perspective to the conversation mm-hmm. because what you just said is something that i've heard okay this is really cool um and maybe i even feel a little bit bad bad about myself but what do i do about it like what good is this and yeah. and i think that's so important because it is just a tool and it is just a resource and the enneagram provides language and it provides awareness but it's it's christ it's the gospel and it's the Holy Spirit and partnership and accountability that bring about change. Mm. I think one of the most dangerous things that we could possibly do with the Enneagram is we find our number, we buy the t-shirt, we get the mug, and that's it. Like, that's cool. But if you know that there are these shadow sides to your life, do you want to continue to participate with them? Or do you want to look at the all that you have to offer your purpose and the things that you can contribute to this world and and run in that lane in the fullness of that God has for you. So when I work with women, a lot of times we're we're looking again our story, we're looking at the motivation, we're having those aha step on my toe moments. Oh man, that hurts. Ooh, that feels really uncomfortable. But then let's Let's begin to change the inner narrative. Let's begin to take that message that we long to hear and hear it in the word of God, hear it from the Lord in contemplative practice, begin to speak what's true over ourselves instead of say the Enneagram one who has the inner, a really loud inner critic, learn to discern maybe what they have heard is the voice of God mistakenly instead it and it was the inner critic and begin to decipher those and realize that the voice of God is actually really kind and loving and delight and delights in them instead of critiquing them and being hurtful and unkind which which causes them to go in a spiral to need to control themselves control others and anger manifests itself in anger and then hurts the relationships that they have and it hurts themselves in the process Oh wow, that's interesting. I um, I'm gonna read because I'm, I'm gonna go back to using me since I'm the only one here at the conversation <laughs> um, today. But so for doing the type two, so let's we're gonna go. But I'm a strong probably type two versus and wing three. Yes. And so at my healthy level, level one, this this is like you know what I want to be, which is. Become- <laughs> 
and you know, unselfish. They're humble. They're altruistic, giving unconditional love to self and others. Feel it a privilege to be in others' lives. So that mm-hmm. that's kind of the, the description that I've used on this website. That this is like the best version of a type two. Yep. But then you scroll down and you go down to where the unhealthy versions are. Mm-hmm. And so this is the level nine. So this kind of this is the spectrum here. So we have level one is the the good, you know, and then here's the worse. And level nine is able to excuse and rationalize what they do since they feel abused and victimized by others and are bitterly resentful and angry. Mm. Um, they, um, there's a lot of chronic health problems as they vindicate themselves by falling apart and they're burdening others generally corresponds, um, with a his, I don't even know what this personality disorder is, but histrionic personality mm. dis- disorder. Um, so I, it's interesting to see the spe- the spectrum and it's like, oh yeah, obviously I would love to be altruistic, always about others, <laughs> but I can go down to that level nine and go, I have been wounded and I can get very resentful and I can get very yeah. angry and I have played the role of victim and woe is me. So can you walk me through as my coach, which if you're okay with that, I'd love for you to be my coach in these next five minutes to just say how, knowing that there's this healthy and unhealthy level, what can I do about it? Knowing that I can relate to the anger and resentment, Mm -hmm. but I have this desire to be altruistic and all about others. Yeah. The, the root of that is what I call the difference of living as an orphan or living as beloved. Mm -hmm. And the what you talked about nine, the lowest level of it. And, you know, when people read that low level of their personality, for some people, they really resonate. They lived there. They maybe mm-hmm. lived there for a good decade. And it's hard. It's hard to see it it written in black and white in that way. But there's also for people who have lived there, there's freedom to naming it. There's it's explaining Yes, this is why, um, you know, I have a client, I, I won't use names, but their experience um, at their lowest level of their personality was was uh, suicidal. And it was a, um, it wasn't planned suicidal. It was like uh, impulsive suicide. And they'll never forget that moment where just out of the blue, wasn't premeditated. They just like decided to try to take their life and and being able to understand that that was you know how at her darkest moment of living in a way that she she felt like she was all alone that she had no one to love her no one to care her for her no one saw her no one knew her her deepest pains and the and the things that she was doing and had freedom to do but wanted someone to stop her to do and give her boundaries that we yeah. all long for um that is, you know, that was kind of for her, that picture of, oh, yeah, that was living as orphan. And I think for some of us, we subtly believe the lie in our day to day that we have to do it on our own, that we have to pull ourselves up by the bootstraps, straps, grit our teeth and get through to the next thing. And yeah, sometimes we have to push through and do hard things. But that's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about as if this life depends on our own and it's our own doing and our own strength. And instead, when we when we recognize some of those behaviors and how we're just gritting through to get through, we go, oh, wait a minute. Um, I have a heavenly father who loves me 
and who wants to invite me to his banqueting table, his where I am adopted and I am his daughter. I am his son. I have everything at the father's disposal. He wants to give me strength because he knows I'm weak. He actually set me up as a human to be weak. So that way I would rely on him. And this whole thing is not about growing more independent opposite of what our world says, it's actually growing more dependent on Christ and the love of our Father to do day to day. And so the big picture, the root of of what we are learning to, in learning to live as adopted and beloved, we begin to, our actions begin to transform from looking at that nine to looking at that one. And so that there's more to that, but in a nutshell, that's where we begin. Wow. I love that. I love, um, I never thought of that, but it really, cause you do look at the nine and you're like, Oh, that's not where I want to be. And, um, and I, I've even seen and had conversations with people who feel kind of justified because, Oh, well, this is just part of my personality. But I would say most of us are like, no, this is not where we want to be. But then we put in a lot of works to try to get to that level one. And we get when we fall short and it's like, oh, here we are back down at nine or maybe we made it to level eight. But um, mm-hmm. just that it's a great reminder that we really can't get to that level one without pressing into Jesus because it's really him that's going to transform our hearts and to help us heal to where we're not walking in unhealthy ways in our God-given personalities. Yes, yes. And Kelsey, you said something that I want to just clarify because I think it can be confusing to someone who is new to the Enneagram. Because um, the Enneagram talks uses nine typologies, one through nine. But that is different than what we're talking about here, which is levels of health that are also referred to, um, the bottom being nine to one, but those do not correspond to the personalities. Just so we're clear, like I didn't want anyone to think, oh, I'm an eight, that's bad. Or I'm a nine, that's bad. (laughs) We mean levels of health. (laughs) I'm so glad you clarified. So you, I mean, you are the expert. So that's fabulous. Thank you for for clarifying that. So in this, you know, so the Talking Story podcast, we are a podcast that we share stories of ordinary people doing extraordinary things. And we've actually grown to where we've talked about community or the idea of forgiveness, because this, you know, all of this is part of our human experience, our human walk. And sometimes we need to be able to forgive before we can um, really move into purpose. Sometimes we need to find our community before we get into purpose. And so bringing you to the table, to the Talking Story podcast, I love this idea of understanding and learning more about who we are in order to then move us into this life of purpose. Because Mm -hmm. ultimately, I mean, what we say all the time is every single person here on this planet is here for a reason. There is no mistake Mm -hmm. that you are here for you, you have your you are here for a purpose. I promise you that God has created you, has put you here for a place in time, and you're here for a purpose. But some of us do feel stuck. And so would you be able to share with us a story of maybe someone you've walked with or through this um, Enneagram process to where they were able to get unstuck and walk into this, you know, beautiful purpose or understanding of why they were created and were motivated to get up every day? Oh, yeah, that is a great question. And yes, I have a lot. I'm going to give a 
broad stroke of something that I think everybody could take away. And then I'll get into one person's story. Um, So the three things, the Enneagram is kind of cool because it's nine, uh, you know, so this like pretty nine number, but a lot of the understanding about motivations, how we think, how we communicate can be divided up into three groups groups of three. Um, So it's nice and neat and even, and it's a little bit easier to talk about three different things than it is nine. (laughs) So I'm going to talk about um, three motivators and that is, um, or three desires, driving desires that fit into three nice little categories. And that is our desires for security, significance, and control. All right. Mm. So those three words, security, significance, and control. And if you've been in the church world, um, some of those words might bring about negative connotation, right? Well, I there's there's such an interesting thing here because as we begin to dissect it and we go, okay, well, if God created us to desire, is it all bad? Nope. Mm-hmm. We actually were created with a desire for control, which also can be said as justice. And for security, and which means could also be being protected, and for significance, which also can be about bringing glory. And all three of those things are are beautiful when done under the lens of for God's glory and for our good. And in Luke 4, this is when Jesus has just been baptized and he is sent out into the wilderness. And I see as I read that passage in particular, how Jesus was tested in those three things. Satan specifically tried to tempt him to see if he would give over security, significance, and control um, in a human form, or would he rely on God for those? And of course, um, if you have read Luke 4, read it if you haven't. It's it's just so fascinating to dive into it with this perspective. Uh, Jesus answers Satan with scripture and reminds him who God is, who's in control, who provides security, who provides significance. And all those three, Jesus gets met even in the wilderness when he has nothing and he's not able to give himself anything. God, his heavenly father meets those things. And just on the other side, as he steps out of it, now he has to be tended to, he's exhausted. That was really, really hard. But on just on the other side of it, those three things are met in such beautiful ways. Um, immediately, there is significance that is met through miracles are being done. People are in awe of his teaching. He's taken care of. His needs are met. And um, and he's seeing about he's seeing justice because for that battle, um, Christ won um, over Satan. And so um, in those three elements, it reminds us that those are the driving motivators of us. And it could be for good or it can be for bad. Are we living as adopted or are we living as um, beloved? Are we living as beloved and adopted or are we living as an orphan? Are we trying to get those needs met ourselves through, through ways that don't last, that cannot be sustained? So when, when we look at those that often helps us understand, you know, let the the motivations of our heart be pure and pleasing to you, O Lord. Let us not um, do anything out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. So we can begin to see, okay, am I wired for security and a desire for that? Am I going after that? Am I going after significance, trying to get that met in the wrong way? Or am I trying to stay in control of something that I need to surrender? 
And mm-hmm. so when I was working with someone who was going through um, yet another church transition, and they had um, been a part of many different churches, uh, leadership, staff, uh, just, uh, you know, a congregant. And I believe they actually were even raised in a pastor's home. And and so this person was, um, you know, entering into a season again of church change. And they were wondering why getting connected with their church has been had been so challenging, why they felt like they were kind of church hopping in the last few years, why they couldn't find a place where, you know, they felt they belonged, um, were wanted. And as I worked with this person over several months time, and in, and in fact, this person has worked with me for um, a couple years off and on, and it's kind of like, um, you know, counseling, right? Sometimes we need to go a lot in a season and then we get those checkups every once in a while. And that's, that's kind of where um, this person is at with me. We just kind of keep, keep healthy check-ins, right. And accountability. But as mm. this person was navigating um, their church journey, um, they realized a couple things. One uh, that they, they, unfortunately their inner critic wasn't just loud about themselves, but it was getting louder about what they were seeing. And that they were going into a church situation and without knowing it, expecting um, not perfection, but to everything, everything to be done just right in their way. That mm. everything, if if they didn't feel it was exactly right, well, then it wasn't for them. If it wasn't, if it wasn't done the way they've always done it or the way this other church did it, well, it couldn't be right for them. Uh, the other piece that we began to realize is that the way um, this person in particular, I'm going to talk about something that's super deep with the Enneagram. It's called subtypes. But how this okay. person was wired is that one-to-one uh connection is of high value to that person. So they the the small talk, the social events, that was really draining for them, but going deep and finding their kindred spirit was super important. And they were finding it really challenging if as in church hopping and not really finding their church and trying different things and not committing even once they they were trying, they weren't getting that one-on-one connection. They weren't able to go deep with that person. So as we worked through this stuff, we began, this This person now has found a church that they're really enjoying. We still navigate, okay, so they, you know, you would like to see this changed or different, or you notice this. How do you quiet the critic when you're in worship and, you know, things are going a little bit different? Um how do you how do you take care of issues and communicating honestly when you think you can help bring about change? And how do you connect with people? What are the things that you're going to get involved in so you can go on a deep level and um, not do the things that are draining that are feel most more social and small talk? Wow, wow. So you were able to help navigate this like you're 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 bringing you're asking them questions to help them thing as they are relating to the Enneagram, which they now discovered like, okay, like I just did, this is my healthy one. And here's my healthy or unhealthy nine. And so you were able to say, Hey, this, you know, the reason you may be struggling right now is because of this. So let's take a look and see what you could do differently. Is that kind of how your coaching works? Yes. A lot of times it's about hearing someone just share what, you know, share their story, share where they're at in their story. And it's, it's speaking and back to them what I think you're hearing. Mm. 
uh, what you think you're hearing and letting them correct or confirm. Um, but the biggest piece for me that I, I have found just amazing is that I'm not giving advice that I need to hear. I'm putting their lens on and going, oh, this is how they're motivated. This is what they need. This is what their heart is crying out. This is this is how their brain is thinking and interpret, interpreting events. So it's not based on how I would do it, but how what is best for them, which looks unique to them, not only with their personality, but their their unique story and where they're at in their story. And I'm able to enter in offering perspective of, um, of like, okay, this is where you are, but this is where you could be. So, um, you know, what are some things that we can do? And we hold them hold accountable. We also process to give perspective, and you know, some of the, some of those things that we sometimes need, right? You know, telling it's you know opportunity to talk to a really good friend who tries to keep their mouth shut most of the time, <laughs> and then speak when needed. Oh, I love it. That's so great. I well, I am no coach, and what you are doing is fabulous. But I will just, I just have a little testimony myself. Is I started incorporating the Enneagram into some of our staff training when I was a boat manager yes. um, and business um, or boat captain, business manager for this whale watch operation here on the Big Island. And we would do these retreats before our big like whale season. And so one year, I was told the staff, and we had I think eleven at the time. I said, okay, I really want us to. Um, focusing on the who, you know, I really wanted everyone to kind of go along a journey of self-discovery. And so we had everyone take the Enneagram and I don't know if this is good or bad for a business. This was not (laughs) pre-hire. So this was post-hire and here we are having people take this Enneagram. And I realized I had on staff five eights, which in my head, I don't remember what they're called. I'm sure you do. A challenger. Yeah. Challenger. And they're very loyal and they're very, uh, they're amazing. I mean, their healthy version of themselves are incredible, but they also have brought their challenges. And, but it was interesting as a supervisor or a manager, um, as I started to learn and really, you know, okay, I have five eights, I have one five, I have, you know, one, you know, three sevens, you know, that's just off the top of my head. I was able to really start to understand how people tick as yes. well. And it was enlightening for me instead of getting frustrated where I'm like, why are they doing this? Why are they saying this? Why are they being this way? I was like, wait a minute, who are they in the Enneagram? And I would reread as you know, issues happen because that's the nature of business and working together with other humans. And I would reread their Enneagram and I go, oh, this Mm. is what makes them tick. This is why they respond in this way. It may not be a healthy version, but now that I know that this is kind of the way God's wired them, then I want to now come alongside them and figure out, all right, how can we better communicate or how can we better navigate the situation where we're not in conflict or whatever it may be. And I'm not perfect. There's definitely the failures I had, but that was a huge tool and managing a staff of 11 people. And I'm sure, you know, I, you know, staff of 50 or a hundred, I mean, I could only imagine as you divvy it up and have managers and supervisors say, Hey, get to know your, your person, yes. get to know who's on your team. And that could save you from some heartaches in the future. I actually do a lot of leadership training, whether it's church leadership, businesses, women's ministry, you know, from 
even um, our local pregnancy center. I've been working with them and and uh, some really neat team dynamics there. But the big key, like you talked about, is the communication, is when we can understand how we communicate and why we communicate. And this is one of those three really cool three things that you can divide up into. We have assertive, dutiful, and withdrawing types. And those define how we differently communicate. And when you can help people understand what it is they naturally do and how you can grow and strengthen that to be a better team player. It's so helpful. And then flip the script, like you said, and how you did as a manager, as someone who is who's leading these people, you can come alongside them in their natural communication style and offer a better way for solutions and problem solving and eliminate some of the miscommunication that naturally happens because we're wired differently. That's awesome. And the last thing I want to touch on, and I I haven't dabbled in this too much, but I know Enneagram and just understanding your Enneagram has saved marriages. Have you seen that happen as people (laughs) understand more about themselves and their spouses and how to communicate better? I mean, to me, if you can get the relationships or the people that surround you at a healthy level, that to me really helps launch you into purpose. And so if you are at odds with your spouse that's going to be a struggle because it is hard to get unstuck when you just feel like, man, I'm in the steady conflict. And so I just love that this can be a tool to release people from, um, you know, holding grudges because they, they just reach this understanding about each other. Yeah. I, if you could see me, I'm nodding my head going, yes. <laughs> <laughs> I actually just met with someone who that is the main pain point right now is their marriage. And obviously, well, if only one partner is coming, we that's all we can do is we can we can work on on them and get them to a healthy level. But a lot of times I am helping others understand, kind of like in a leadership role, understand how the other person is motivated, understand why they communicate the way they do and what those differences are and how you can bridge that gap. And for me, it was a a huge revelation to understand that my husband and I are complete opposites on the communication style front. I am assertive and he is withdrawn. And obviously me being a woman and he being a man that also like it speaks about the differences of of us that is sometimes not always textbook, you know, classic the way some people think marriages should work. And it wasn't like I'm wearing the pants and the family or anything like that. But I just was more the more outward facing. I was the the um not louder, that sounds bad, <laughs> but the the one who went after in resolving things or I was fast, why I was faster at making decisions. It wasn't because I was a better decision maker. That's just how my I was naturally wired. My husband actually might be the better decision maker, but he's going to move slower because that's how he's wired. And so mm-hmm. it's me understanding that I needed to grow impatient and trust that he was going to arrive at the conclusion and him to also understand, hey, communicate that you are in the process of making a decision. You just need some more time to arrive to one that you're feeling comfortable with. And then we can come together in that. And so me pushing and pushing and pushing and him then withdrawing even more because I'm pushing and trying to get the answer that I'm looking for. Um, And instead we come together into a more comfortable pace you know, allowing and if and if we ever come to a thing where it needs to be a fast decision, he might look more towards me of going, okay, 
What's your, you know, what's your instinct? What are you thinking? Because you've probably been thinking about this for a while. What, what, what do you think we should do? Um, and, and that's just kind of, you know, one of those little things uh, that, that definitely have empowered and enriched our marriage and our communication and, and even how we argue, which is funny, right? Mm-hmm. But <laughs> how we navigate those. I love it. Well, I just have a feeling, uh, Amy, that our listeners are just relating to one of the three. I feel like we talked personal level on just understanding who we are before we really can move forward in the what are we supposed to do? Because you can't do the what before the who. You have to know who you are. And then the second is, you know, maybe someone's listening who's like, I get the who we are, but I'm really struggling with the people around me. And so just the aspect of leadership or the third, just those intimate relationships. And I just feel like this tool, again, tool, it's not the Bible, it's not the gospel, it's just a tool, but it really can help us understand where maybe we are unhealthy and where we need the grace of Jesus in our lives to help us work up to just becoming healthier versions of ourselves. And so as people are listening, going, I want to know more, Amy, how can they connect with you? Oh, I love it. Well, very easily, they can find me at simplywholehearted.com. And I think I did mention that I have a couple of resources. The one that might be best suited for our friends listening today is a free 15-minute Zoom call. And it's an opportunity to get your, either determine your dominant type, get your questions answered. Hey, I'm stuck here. Can you, do you actually think you can help me? Um, and, and things like that. But then I'm also, if you're on Instagram, I'm a wholehearted Enneagram. And uh, just to let people know that I take a wholehearted approach to the Enneagram and we just have fun there and um, with different conversations and highlighting each individual personality every week. Oh, that's so awesome. And I just last want to say, because if you go to your website, we didn't start off with this, but your heart is very much drawn towards mothers and motherhood. And because you are a mom of three, is that correct? Yes, I am. Uh Uh-huh. So I know our audience are, they're made up of, you know, single Marys, moms, dads, um, teenagers. So we have a wide range. Um, But if someone who is listening, and we do have a lot of mothers who are listening, and we have drawn a lot of attention to empowering women who are moms to say what you are doing as a mom, you are making a huge difference in the world, how you raise your babies. And we were just talking before the show about using that, oh, I'm just a mom. And I'm like, I do not like that word just (laughs) because being a mother or being a father, to me, that is the biggest responsibility that anyone can carry. But it can also be the most discouraging season of our lives. And I'm not a mom, so I can't really talk into that. But um, I know that is your heart and that is your passion. So if for just a mom or even a dad who's listening and just staying tuned, we're going a little over, but I think this is really important. Can you speak into that woman's life? Yeah. And mama, I do see you. And I know that there's dark moments where you're wondering, what the heck? How did I end up as a mom? Why did I sign up for this? Why did God choose me? And I want to tell you wholeheartedly and full of truth that you are the exact mom. You're the exact dad your kids need. God set you up and designed you to be the exact parent that those kids needed. And and in the in, in reverse, 
he gave those kids their personalities because it's exactly what you needed. And and in that, the Lord hasn't made a mistake. He is full of purpose in every little detail, including how he put us together as a family and set us up with our personalities. So you got this, Mama. You are the mom for the job. Oh, I love it. Well, Amy, thank you so much for coming on the Talking Story podcast. It was amazing to have you. We'll put everything in our show notes so people can click a link to find you. Hopefully, they will take full advantage of that 15-minute coaching call. I just think that will be huge and just appreciate you coming on today. Thank you, Kelsey. It was a, it was super fun. So like so fun to get to dive into your personal story. So thanks for letting me. <laughs> yes, I know this platform. Like Lord, use it. And I'm like, really? We gotta air the dirty laundry. <laughs> I, know. It is I love it. <laughs> hey guys, I hope that you loved this conversation with Amy from Simply Wholehearted. I would just encourage you to go check her out. Um, check out her website. She has coaching. So if you're someone that really listened to what she had to say and you're like, man, I really want to explore more of this, um, I would go, go, you know, reach out to her. She has amazing coaching. She really is, um, has a huge heart for mothers and motherhood. You can check out the Enneagram and her motherhood ebook on her website as well. She has a blog. She has a, something specifically for moms. So yeah, I just would love for you guys to connect with her. And as always, we would love to connect with you as well. So if you have questions, comments, concerns, maybe it has nothing to do with what we talked about today. Maybe it's something, just a life issue. And you may have a question for my dad, Bob, who has many more years of experience than I do. Or maybe you have something, a question for me. That's We love, would love to hear from you. And we do have a platform where you can talk to us. And that is on Instagram. And we are the, make sure you put in the, T-H-E, the Talking Story Podcast. And you can direct message us. And we just would love to hear from you. We hope to see you next Monday. Next Monday is our last podcast. Yeah, I said that right. (laughs) Next Monday. Next Monday is the last podcast of season three. This whole series has been called Picking Up the Pieces, giving you tools to pick up the pieces. We know that 2020, the pandemic, has been a rough year for many. And so we started this series back in January. Can you believe it? It's been the end of seven months, seven month series with, I think, just a couple breaks. Uh, but we wanted to give you tools to pick up the pieces of your life, to get back on your feet, to, to remind you that you're here for a reason and that the world, the planet, your community, your family, your friends, they need you. So we hope that this series has been beneficial to you. But again, like I said, we're really excited for next week's guest who is going to conclude this series and then we'll be relaunching the podcast in season four come September. Wow, time is moving so quickly. So you want, you don't want to miss next week. It is a very special guest, someone who is very near and dear to my family's heart and someone who has been truly inspirational in my life. So stay tuned next week to the Talking Story Podcast. Have a good week, you guys. Aloha.
Thanks for joining us today on the Talking Story Podcast. We hope you feel encouraged and inspired. Be sure to visit our show notes for more information and find us on social media at the Talking Story Podcast. Your hosts, Bob and Kelsey, want to hear from you. Be sure to subscribe to this podcast and leave a review. Oh, and big mahalo to our sponsor of today's podcast, Moy Moy Market, a one-stop shop to purchase products with purpose. We truly believe you have it in you to change the world too and to make an amazing difference in the lives of others.